Hello, everyone. This is Reb Brad, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Today on the podcast, we're looking at the practice of giving thanks. With the American holiday of Thanksgiving taking place tomorrow, even in the midst of a very difficult year, locally and globally, it's important for us to give thanks. And no matter where in the world you're listening right now, whether you're at season's end for football or whether your season has just begun, I want to share with you a few stories and some practical steps for cultivating a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving, no matter how difficult this year has been for you. So hold on, we'll get started right after this. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner. Goes towards the near post. And you're the angle. And what a goal! What a goal! Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening today. Well, it was some 10 years ago now, I recall pulling into the stadium lot where I serve as volunteer chaplain. It was during a particular time and season where I had been given a pass to park my car amongst the backroom staff and the footballers at Colorado Rapids Football Club. And it was in the secure player lot. I remember sitting in my car just prior to the training session and I paused for a moment. There it was, my brown Honda Accord stood out like an eyesore amongst the pristine BMWs and Land Rovers and other other luxury cars that many of the athletes and coaches were driving. Now, sure, maybe the rookie and first-year reserve players had a car or two that perhaps brought the level back down in those days, but I remember thinking for a moment, man, if I haven't been spending my own money the last 10 years doing this chaplaincy, maybe I could have a nice car by now. Now, to go back a little further in my story... I was gifted a special car by my folks when I graduated college. Now, there was a budget, but my eye was drawn to a beautiful blue 1987 Jaguar XJ6. It's pictured on today's podcast episode. Well, I drove that car for a number of years until I got married and was in seminary, and I sold the car a year or two in seminary as the age and maintenance needs started to exceed my ability. Funny story, one of the footballers I was working with commented to me one day, you know, you're the only pastor that I know who drives a Jaguar. Well, come to find out years later from my friend that I was the only pastor that he knew, period. (laughs) But I digress. Fast forward some 10 years, and the sleek, shiny blue Jaguar has been replaced by a dirty brown Honda Accord. I had had my nice car, but now, no more. I was on a low wage as a hospice chaplain, and with a young family and a mortgage, there wasn't room for much else in the budget. But for whatever reason, this particular day, pulling into the stadium ground... I was a bit grumbly. As I sat there, though, and I looked out to the Rocky Mountains to the west, I bowed my head, and I tried to practice an act of thanksgiving. I remember starting out some, something like this, God, this is hard, but thanks for my car. It didn't cost me too much, and I don't have a car payment. It's been super reliable, and I've had just very few things to repair on it. I've put over 100,000 miles on this thing. God, really, it's all that I need. As I got out of the car, sure, I still would have loved to be driving something nicer and newer, but it was that simple act, that simple pause that helped reframe my thinking. 
I had thought through the many times I had driven by newer cars on the side of the road, which were broken down or abandoned. I had memories of the many miles driven from home to hospice to stadium and back. And of course, the great gas mileage, the lifespan of the car was beyond compare as I watched the odometer roll over countless milestones. Well, I ended up selling that car for 800 bucks. It had cost me 1200 And in the years that I had driven, I had put over 150,000 miles on it. Besides the tires and oil changes, not much else had, had been put into it, uh, money-wise. So I remember thinking at the, at the end of the time, I was like, wow, for 400 bucks, I, I got a lot out of this car. Well, this isn't a podcast on cars. As much as it is a podcast on what it looks like to give thanks. And when we have less than perfect or less than ideal circumstances, one of the most important practices that we as human beings can take on is to give thanks. The Apostle Paul knew this very well, and he writes at several different points in his letters to early Christians about the need to practice giving thanks in all circumstances. He writes this in his first letter to the believers in Thessalonica. He says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You can find that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. You see, the people in Thessalonica had just come to faith, and a lot of them were under fire and under persecution for the change in their beliefs, and and the way that they were believing now changed the way that they lived. And so, Paul's writing to encourage them to stay the course. He reminds them about this practice of giving thanks, no matter what's going on in their lives, no matter how difficult or trying times get to be. Well, let's look a little bit closer at how this practice of thanksgiving can be better cultivated in our own lives. The first thing I want to point out is the practice of seeing and acknowledging God in the midst of our everyday lives and in the midst of our story. I want you to do something for me. Read Psalm 136. Whether you open up a a physical Bible or swipe to it in, in a Bible app, read Psalm 136. This psalm recounts the activity of God in his people's lives. From the beginning of the creation of this world up until the present day and time of the psalmist's writing, Psalm 136 is an essential praise and worship song which recounts the story of God with us, giving thanks and giving him praise. The first line reads like this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. That simple refrain, his love endures forever, is repeated over and over again, 26 different times in the psalm. An attitude in response of thanksgiving can well up inside of us as we realize the simple truth, that God is good and that his love endures forever. But we have to pause. We have to stop. We have to recount the story. We have to stop and look around and see where God's participation in our life and story has had an impact. In what ways can you see the goodness of God in your life and in your story today, right now? I imagine this can feel extremely difficult in the midst of this global pandemic. But try it along with me. I'm going to practice it right here. God, I see your goodness even in the midst of this difficult year of 2020. I've been able to spend more time with my family this year than any other year. Your love endures forever. You've provided for my family in the midst of financial downturn and shortages. Your love endures forever. You've protected my family, my immediate family, from contracting the virus to this point. 
your love endures forever. God, you've even given me creative vision for how I might continue my work, even in the midst of this remote and distant manner that we've all had to adopt. Your love endures forever. God, less driving this year means my car will last even longer. Thanks, Lord, really. Your love endures forever. You know, if we stop and practice this, and I could go on much longer, I want to encourage you to look for the ways that God is in your daily life, your daily story, as well as in the larger sweeping moments of your life. Well, another practice that can help cultivate Thanksgiving is to do some work to inventory all the blessings that God has showered on you and your family. Sometimes when I do this inventorying, it can be a bit embarrassing because I see the many ways that God has blessed me and my family, and I realize how forgetful I have been. John Calvin, the Christian theologian, once commented on this very thing. He wrote, We have short memories in magnifying God's grace. Every blessing that God confers upon us perish through our carelessness if we are not prompt and active in giving thanks. I tell my kids all the time when I pull into the house, I'm so thankful for where we live. The way, the story, some of, some of you I've shared this story with how we got into our house, the way it happened, it's, it's not 100%, but it, it's great. It totally suits our needs, and it's actually more than we deserve. There's other ways that, that we can practice this. So this sort of inventorying of, of the ways that God has blessed us, blessed our story. And again, I want to practice this. So I'm going to do it right here. Wow, God, when I stop and I realize we have three cars for our family. The donation of a van a couple years ago has really helped with my daughter driving to work and school as she does more of that on her own this year. It's given us more reliability and, and even more flexibility as a family when we all have to be in different places all at once. God, thank you for that third car. God, thank you. It's amazing when I realize we have four guitars in our home. I remember the first one that I bought, it felt like it cost so much way back in those hospice days. But what a blessing that someone gifted us another guitar. And even the old family guitar has been worked on and restored and given back to us for use and for play. God, thank you for those four guitars. God, wow, my Honda Pilot, no longer a a brown, nasty Honda Accord, has just gone past 305,000 miles. Another great car. And it looks so much better than that old Accord and almost as many miles. It's been so reliable and so affordable. We've been able to go up in the mountains and drive it all over Colorado. Thanks for providing another long-lasting vehicle. Well, the third and final practice that I want to share with you might be the most difficult of all. It's the act of giving thanks even when there's not enough. We see this happen with Jesus in Mark 6. The story is known as the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. In fact, the story is so famous, so well known, that all four gospel accounts record the feeding of the 5,000. But to uh, sum it up for you, there are a lot of people listening to Jesus' teaching, and it gets late in the day. People are hungry. The disciples see and know this, but being in a remote place, there's little resources for food. Jesus just simply asks, well, what do we have? five loaves of bread and two fish. It's actually in John's gospel account that he tells us that it's the lunch of a small boy. And everyone wonders, what difference will so little food make for so many people? But we don't see Jesus question this. All we see Jesus do is he takes the loaves in his hands 
and with his eyes lifted toward heaven, he gives thanks and starts passing out the food. A miracle happens. Everyone eats and has enough. There's even leftovers that the disciples pick up. I wonder the look on their faces as they're uh, cleaning up uh, the leftovers, so to speak. Friends, I believe in the years to come, you and I will face many shortages. And I'm not just talking about things like toilet paper and paper towels. We will likely have some really severe shortages. The kind where thousands of people have to be fed by just a meager lunch. Maybe this pandemic is good for our souls. Maybe it's good because it's a time to cultivate thankfulness, even in the midst of loss. Even when the numbers are sideways or upside down and it seems as though we don't have enough. We don't have enough to make the rent payment. We, we may not have enough to put food on the table. We might not even be able to afford that costly medical bill. Friends, my only encouragement, my only counsel in these times is to give thanks. One last story I want to share with you. Leaving church staff five years ago was one of the toughest things I've had to do. I worked at a fairly large church. I was on a decent wage, good health insurance benefits. When we left that position to take on the work of leading Soccer Chaplains United, a lot of things changed. One big one was the health insurance. My children especially having to be on a state health plan. Just a few years ago, while on holiday and we were away from home, My middle daughter came down with appendicitis and her appendix had ruptured. We spent nine days at a children's hospital. It was a trying time. It's trying to see her child lying in pain, her life threatened by what's happening to her and and you feeling powerless to do anything about it. Well, during that time, a local pastor came by to support us, to see my wife and I as we waited. And I remember he, he came in and visited with us. He knew some family members that lived nearby and he prayed for us, prayed for our daughter. And uh, she had had a procedure. She was kind of starting to be on the, on the mend and on, on the end of things. Well, at the end of his visit, I remember he reached out his hand to me to shake my hand. And in his hand, he slipped me a $100 bill. Pulling me in close, he whispered to me. He says, go get a meal for you and your wife. I know you're exhausted. Here, here's, a little, here's a little something extra for you. I quickly tried to give it back to him, but he insisted. He said someone had done it once for him in a similar situation. I remember looking at it and and thanking God, but saying kind of in my heart and mind, I don't think this is going to be enough to cover every cost we've incurred here. A few days later, we were getting ready to leave the hospital and my daughter was on the mend. We were heading back to Colorado and I waited for the bill for our hospital stay. Uh, We had to go to the pharmacy and, and I remember we we had to pay like 40 bucks for some pain medicines for the trip home. But even after getting home and the weeks and months after that, I kept waiting, going to the mail, just waiting for that, that big bill from, from the doctor's office, from the hospital. But no bill ever came. I'm sure we had thousands of dollars of hospital costs, but God was so merciful and gracious to us. We literally left that hospital after nine days with a minuscule bill for pain meds. If you take into account the $100 that God gave us, we actually came out ahead. My friends, it might seem like you're facing overwhelming odds. It might seem as though you're in a really low position or you're forgotten, you're abandoned. It might seem as though there's nothing to give God thanks for. But if you stop, if you pause, if you look around, Remember to look for God's intervention in your life. 
even in the daily things. Remember to count your blessings, literally name them one by one. And finally, even when there isn't enough, give thanks to God because he is enough for you, for me, and for all we need or will ever need. Let me close this today with a prayer of thanksgiving. We give thanks to you, God, for you are good and your love endures forever. You are in our life stories, whether we see it or not. You provide for us, whether we acknowledge it or not. You remember us, even though we forget you. Help us to see, help us to remember, help us to be filled with gratitude. Every good gift comes from you. And if we would only pause to praise, our hearts would be filled to overflowing with thanksgiving for all that you've done, even when there seems to not be enough. Help us to realize that you are our all in all. Amen. Well, this is Rev. Brad coming to you this Thanksgiving with a heart filled with gratitude from the Touchline.